We are learning Dav Chav. We are starting from four lines down from the two dots where we say Maisa Behelini Hamalka. So just recap what we did yesterday here. We had a dispute about someone who counted Naziros outside of Eretz Yisrael. And the root of the issue is that Rabbanon goes or Tumah on Eretz Amim, on the lands outside of Israel. So when the Rabbanon really, we should have a problem. It's like someone who has an Aziras in a cemetery where the days do not count. So when they get to Israel to bring their Karbanos, the Rabbanon imposed a penalty, even though Midaraitza, the Aziras counted, but the Rabbanon imposed a penalty that they have to um, count more. So the question is, to what degree with the Rabbanon Machra? Bishamai says, all the Rabbanon said is that you tack on an extra 30 days. Um, do like a regular term of Naziras in Israel. So even if someone was a, was a, a Nazir for a much longer amount of time when they get to Israel, they don't have to redo the whole thing. According to Bishamai, you only have to redo uh, an extra 30 days. Basically, Rizol says different. Rizol says, no, the Rabbanu was from Machber. They said you have to redo every little bit of the time that the duration of the Naziris was. So we brought a story, Basil brought with Helenia Malka, where, where you see where, where, where you see like his opinion, because Helenia Malka said she'd be in Nazir for seven days for seven years. Then she went to Israel, so she had to do another seven years. She became Tama at the end of the seven years to show all she lost her count, and she had to do another seven years. So therefore it found that she was in Nazira for a total of twenty-one years. But then we quote Rabbi Yehuda here. Rabbi Yehuda said, no, she was only in Azira for 14 years. So the question is, what exactly is Rabbi Yehuda saying? Is the pshat that she became Tamei at the end of the term that she did in Israel? But we were going like Beishamah, meaning the first way we could understand is that Rabbi Yehuda holds like Beishamah. So when she came to Israel, she only needed to do another 30 days. But she became Tamei before the end of 30, before the end of 30 days. So therefore she canceled her Naziris and she had to go back to day one. And going back to day one in this case means going back to the beginning of seven years because the lumdus that we tack on an important point here the lumdus that we tack on an extra 30 days is that it's an extra 30 days to the term it's not a separate 30 days it's an extra 30 days to the term so when she became Tamea before the end of 30 days she goes back to the beginning of the term so it ends up that she does um, that she does a total of 14, 14 years the seven she did outside of Israel then in the middle of the 30 days when she becomes Tamea she's going back to to the beginning, and she has to do another seven years plus those days, a little bit. So it's actually a little bit more than 14 years, but around for 14 years. That's one way to understand. The case is she didn't become Tamei at the end of the time. He's going like Basil, meaning that what's, according to this possibility, we just have a different, uh, we just have a different point of the story. There, according to according to Rebuta, she did seven years outside of Israel. She came to Israel, and she did another seven years. She never... Um, she never contracted the Tumas, which is a different version of the story. Actually, review the whole like that you have to repeat the whole term. She never became Tamea, and therefore she did another seven years with Tahara. So, two different versions of Rebuta, which one is correct? Is Ibshad, he holds like Beishamai. She became Tamea before the end of 30 days, and therefore canceled the whole thing, and he repeated all of it. That's how we get to 14 years. Or is it the Pshat? He was like, she did not become Tameh. So it's just he did another seven years. So the Gemara says, Tashma, we can tell from the Mishnah. She went to Israel. Bitzel said she had to do another seven years. Then the seven years she became Tameh. Then what happened? Rabbi Yudha says, no, it was four. It was for uh, only 14 years. So it doesn't say 14 years and 30 days. It just says 14 years. If you say, that the pshat is, that it was at the end of the 30 days, that she became Tamea. And now we're going like Beishamah and just going back to the beginning. Why does Rabbi Yudah say 
She's in a zero for 14 years. It should say 14 years plus an additional 30 days. Because the whole point is that he also pays Shama, according to that version. So she was in the middle of doing a 30 days and she became to me. She's going back to the beginning of the count. So it's going to end up that it's actually a little bit more than 14 years. It's 13 years plus the 30 days. It must be that interpretation is wrong. It's really the second interpretation, which is correct. Which means that the uh, review the holds like Beisillo, that she has to repeat the entire time. But the disagreement is in the facts of the story. She did not become... She did not become Tamea by the end of the seven years. Rather, she remained Tahora, and therefore it was just seven plus seven, a total of 14. Tanya, Mi'alkin, Bryce is like this as well. Rebidah, Mishimer, Belazar. Amar Karaz, Zoh, Torah, Sanazir. The Pazik says this is the law of the Nazir on the day he completes the Naziris. If you become Tommy on the end of the day, give them the term of a standard Nazir. So this is Rabbi Yudah holding like Rabbi Eliezer. Remember when we learned about this, if someone has a term longer than 30 days, we had yesterday, if someone said they're going to be a Nazir for 100 days, what happens if they become Tommy on the very last day of day 100? So instead of saying that they, you lose the entire term, you only have to make a 30-day 30 30 uh, makeup. So Rabbi Yudah holds like that opinion here of Rabbi Eliezer. So now, what are we saying? If you would say that Rabbi Yehuda holds like Beishamai, and she became Tameya at the end of 30 days, the whole idea that we were saying she'd have to forfeit the seven years wouldn't be true. Because if she became Tameya at the end of 30 days, she would only have to do another 30 days. Because Stam, Rabbi Yehuda holds like Rabbi Eliezer, that Tuma of the last day never makes you go, doesn't cancel the whole term, you have to go back to day one. There's no such premise. Rather, you only have to do another 30 days. So it must be, Pshad is, that original um, possibility that we, that we were saying was never going to be correct. If she become Tameya at the end of 30 days, she would only have to do 30 days, not all of it. So it must be our other shot is correct that really maybe the holds like Basil, she didn't become Tamea, and she was just doing another seven years, seven plus seven, and it gets to fourteen, and there's just a factual dispute in terms of what happened. But obviously Rabbi Yehuda must hold like base Hilla. Okay, continues the Mishnah on new issue. Misha, how you shnake to aid me either. So what happens if there are two separate witnesses who are testifying? You mean you have two pairs of witnesses? Who are giving us contradictory edos about what, how much nazirus the person was makabel? Evidently, the person here, he 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 doesn't know anything. Um, he doesn't know what in the world what in the world is going on. He 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 says, I can't remember doing any of this. But we have Edom who are testifying. Remember, Edom are the biggest bureau, the biggest. Um, confirmation of truth that there is in the Torah. So you have two separate groups of witnesses who are testifying. These witnesses say that he accepted two terms of Naziris. A different set of witnesses are saying that he accepted five different terms of Naziris. So the question is, what do we do? Shami says, it's split, meaning there's a contradiction. Is it two or is it five? Ain't kind of Naziris. Therefore, there's no Naziris. Since it's conflicting, conflicting Edos, basically can't believe anything. So the person, he's denying anything, right? That's important here. The person says, I don't remember doing any such sincere. So if we had Edos that was going against the person, then we would believe it and he'd be, he'd be obligated. That's an important concept, even where a person himself denies it. But if there's only, let's say, one set of witnesses saying you accept in his ears, then that would be accepted, confirmed to us, stronger than the person's memory, and he would be obligated to be a Nazir. But here, the person's denying it, and we have conflicting testimony. We have one group of witnesses saying it was two terms of Naziris, another group of, win- of, of witnesses saying there were five terms. So Beishama says, great, there's a contradiction. Obviously, one group is lying. There's a, there's a dispute between them. So we throw it all out. We don't know what to believe. We don't know what to believe. Therefore, the person doesn't have to be a Nazir at all. Whereas Basil Omer, Basil says, No, two is included in five, and therefore he has to be a Nazir for at least two terms. Meaning, according to Basil, we say the dispute, the whole conflict in the testimony, it's, it's only on three, four, and five, but on one and two, both pairs of witnesses agree. Therefore, on a practical level, he is 
in fact, a, a, obligated to be an Azir for two terms. Very important thing. It's like a very Lundish Machlokas. When, when, when we have witnesses saying, oh, he's an Azir for two terms, other witnesses saying he's an Azir for five terms, do we view it like they're making separate points? You know, to, each one is its own unit. One term, two terms, three, four, five. So therefore, there's no conflict about one and two. Or do we say, no, it's all just one big testimony, five versus two. There's a conflict between them. And if there's a conflict between them, so then we say that we have to throw the entire thing out. So that's the Machlokas. Bishamah says there's a conflict between them. We just view it as one big unit of Edas, five against two, dispute, we throw everything out. Bishamah says, no, separate units, separate points of Edas that they're making. I'm one and two, everybody agrees. It's only three, four, and five where there is a dispute. Therefore, the point that everybody agrees on, one and two, the Nazir is obligated to keep. Says the Kamar Masnis in the way our Mishnah presented the Machlokas Shami Sol is a little kaitan. It's not like the Bryce says. The Tanya says in the Bryce a little bit different. Rabbi Shmuel ben Rabbi Yochum Rokon Omer, Rabbi Shmuel the son of Rabbi Yochum Rokon says, "Lo Nachlu B'Shami Sol Shneki Tei B'Shami Sol." Don't agree about it. if it's two separate witnesses. Achas Marishdan and Achas Chamish. One group says two and one group says five. There, everybody agrees. Sheish B'Chal Chamish Time. Everybody agrees two is included in five. The person has to observe two different terms. Everybody agrees with the principle Beisol. That testimony on each different terms is separate bits of testimony. Again, that's the Iker Machlokes. If it's one big unit of testimony, then it's just a conflict. We throw it out. We can't believe. But if it's separate bits of testimony in it, it's one and two, and then three and four and five, so then there's no dispute on the, on the two. So everybody agrees that it's separate bits of testimony, and therefore the two has to be observed. Where is the Machlokes, according to the Bridesaw? Only where it's one set of witnesses. Meaning you have two different guys who show up and you need two witnesses. And there's a, there's a conflict, there's a contradiction between the two. One person says it was two terms and one person says there were five. So here the question is, are they mitzdarif? Do we combine them one with the other? It's not a question of saying two separate sets of witnesses. You have one set of witnesses, but there's something different that they're saying. One is saying five, one is saying two. So the question is, do we have to assume that one of them is lying? If we have to assume one of them is lying, then we don't have two credible witnesses. That's the question. When it's a case of two separate witnesses, so two separate sets, so there it's just a question of are they, is there a conflict in the Eidos or not? But here where it's, where, where it's combined two different people, we have, to be, we have to be sure that we don't see a liar here. The question is, is it possible that there is just some sort of mistake that is going on? They're not really, um, there's, no, there's no reason to say they're not credible people, there's just a mistake going on. But, but, but it's not that one of them is a liar. But if we would say, no, there's no way to make a mistake about if it's five or two, and one of them is a liar, then you wouldn't be able to build Eidos Pachla. So the Machloka says, there's no Naziris that is necessary. We, we say that, that, that clearly we see one of them being a liar. If we see one of them being a liar, so we don't accept anything. No, two is included in five. What we mean to say is that it doesn't, there's no assumption that one of them is lying. Ah, there's a contradiction. We should say one of them can't can remember so well. It's like an, it, it's just an inaccuracy within his, within his testimony. So it's a very, very lumbish point because ultimately it's either five or two. It can't be both, right? But we could say it's an inaccuracy within the five that it's only said two as opposed to the five. In other words, the two is always remaining the same. Whether or not the two, the, the, the two is there with the five, without the five, it always remains more or less the same. The person has to keep the two terms. We don't view it as a, as a warning that one of them is certainly a liar. Now, this is very, very subtle because after all is said and done, and the end result, whether it's two or five, it's a different fact. So we have to be able to say that the person didn't directly lie. If there would be a direct lie, if it was five or two, then we wouldn't be able to say this. So, Everybody will agree if the witness counted it out, then we would have to see them as, as, as lying. 
What does it mean if they counted it out? Let's say the case is one witness says it was five and it was not two. Other witness says it was two and not five. So then clearly that we, we know that one of them is lying. They're definitely lying. And we don't need Rav to tell us if Asila would agree in that case. Because obviously one of them is lying. That, that's clearly not the case. The case must be one witness says was one witness said one and two. The second witness said three, four, five. In other words, the first witness just said, I'll keep one, two. He didn't say anything about three, four, and five. The second, the second witness said, the person said, I'll keep three, four, five terms of in his ears. He didn't mention anything about the two. So here, they, they trouble themselves to count it out. So if they trouble themselves to count it out, here, we're being mechadish. It's a novelty that we can't view it as an inaccuracy as part of the witness. We have to say that, 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 that there is a lying, a lying here. So there, Basila would agree that if it was counted out, one, two, one, three, four, five, we have to view it as an inaccurate, we have to view it as one of them is lying and we can't build the Adas. The only case where Basila would say that, that, that we just view it as an inaccuracy is one said it was two, one said it was five. There we could say, hey, this, this idea that within it, it was just an inaccuracy, there's not an actual uh, dispute, there's not an actual uh, lying between them. Says the Gemara, not everybody agrees to this. Uh, the Gemara says, Alamali, why? Maybe there's no dispute with the one who said the one who said uh, three, four, five. Why should he mention one and two? Actually, it could be that about the larger numbers killed the low Amar. So he didn't say anything about the smaller numbers. So mean to say if he said three, four, five, it, it it could be it is compatible with one and two, and he should have to observe two. In other words, the point I, the second witness, said three starts with three rather than one. It doesn't. It's not a denial of testimony that one and two were said. He just didn't feel he had to say it. So the point is, by the guy coming along and saying three, four, five, he's not arguing on the one-two point. So it could still be that there's just a general inaccuracy, and that's where the Gemara comes out. I remember Rava Enoch There actually is no contradiction, in, in, even in the case where he counted. In Rav's case, where the first guy said I'll, that, that the Nazir said, I'll keep one-two, and the second guy said, I'll keep three, four, five, it's not a contradiction, and it, it actually could be uh, could be combined. So we end up with a dispute what Basil would say if there was a counting that took place. So again, the general concept of Basil is that the, we can just say that whether it's two or five is an inaccuracy within the Adas, but not a lying point. So between what they agree upon, uh, which is the two, you have a din Adas. Beishaman says, no, you can't say it's inaccurate. It's clearly a lying from a lying. One of the witnesses is not credible. If he's not credible, so then you don't can't build the Adas. That's the Machlok is the way the prize are presented. Again, our mister did not present it that way. Our mister presented it that the case that there are two separate sets of witnesses. So then it's a question of whether it's Eidus Mokheshes, whether the two groups are conflicting each other, whether it's one big unit of five and one unit of two and therefore it's a conflict, or there are separate bits of, in, within the testimony of it being one, two and being three, four, five. And therefore, between what they agree upon, um, it is able to be kept. Okay, so two different versions of the machlokas between Beisham and Yisrael. Hajan Allah, Parak Misham. Continues the Mishnah. Another Misham. Misham, I mean, someone said, I am a Nazir. Another person heard what he said. He said, and I as well. A third person said, and I, Kulam Nazirim. All three people become Nazirim. And I, if it said immediately, following someone who said Nazir, that's meant to mean, I am like, I am, I'm like him. I am a Nazir as well. Now they're all contingent upon the first person because the first person is making himself a Nazar. He's the only one who's a Nazar. Everyone else is saying an I and I. So therefore, they're all dependent on him. Hutar region, if the first one's released from his vow, Hutrukulim, everyone else is released as well. So you go to the rabbi or whatever it is. So since they were all linked to that first person, if his vow becomes void, all of their vows as well 
are, 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 are void as well. As if the opposite, if only the last one was released, the last one is free to cool in room, but everyone who was before is still bound by the Naziris because theirs, their Naziris is not contingent upon his. Someone said, I'm a Nazir. His friend said, P, my mouth is like his mouth. Sorry, sorry, my hair is like his hair. He's a Nazir. That's viewed as an acceptance of Naziris. He said, I'm a Nazir. His wife heard and she says, and I as well. So, made for Eshallah, the husband is able to revoke her vow. Remember, a husband can always revoke Naziris. His vow remains intact because the husband's vow, vow was made before his wife, so it's not dependent on hers. Hers is dependent on him, but his is not dependent on her. So, even if he is made for her nether, his Naziris would still be kind. But what if it was the opposite? Already Nazira, the wife said, I'm a Nazira first. Then, he follows up and says, and I. So here, his Naziris is contingent on hers, her Naziris. He cannot remove the vow. Because, what's the idea? Once he said, once he said he's going to be a Nazira like her, so canceling her Naziris will affect his Naziris. And if he can't do that, only other people can be mater your nether. You can't be made for your own nether. So once his wife made Naziris, and he said, and I, Meaning, he linked his, himself to his wife's Naziros. Canceling his wife's Naziros would mean that he's canceling his own Naziros. He doesn't have the power to do that. Therefore, Hagufa, he doesn't have the power to cancel his wife's uh, Naziros at all. Let's say a man said, I really Nazir va'at. A man said, I'm a Nazir. And then he said it as a question. And what about you, my wife? His wife answers, Amin. Meaning, yes, I affirm that I was well. So here it's him first, and then his wife, because he said, I'm a Nazir. And then he asked his wife, and you? She responds, yeah. So therefore, primarily he is the Nazir, and then she is connecting herself to his Nazir. So maybe he could revoke the vow, his own, uh, her vow. But Shalokim, his, his vow will remain intact, because very good. His is not contingent upon hers. But it's the opposite. I mean, she did say, she said, I read in his ear, I'm a Nazir. And then she asked him, and you, the husband answers, Amen. So therefore, his and his ears is contingent on hers. And for him to be made for hers would mean that his will fall away as well. So in Yachalafir, he can't revoke the vow because him revoking the vow will mean that he's trying to remove his own, his own thing. Okay, so we have the idea here in the mission, the opening, the opening concept is that when someone made themselves a Nazir, and then someone else says, Va'ani and, and I, they're linking themselves to that Naziris. So the Gemara says, Yazir, Rav Shalosh got made to Rav Yudinesiyah, was sitting in front of Rav Yudinesiyah, Yazir Amr, and saying over, Dibor. has to be that each one of them are linking with the first person, Betoch Kedai Dibor. So Betoch Kedai Dibor is a sense of immediacy, that they're saying, I am, the first person said, I am a Nazir, the other person has said, I. And the third person said, I as well, all before the time span of in the Gemara qualifies here. The time it takes to greet somebody. The amount of time it takes a student to greet his teacher. Meaning to say, So in order to say, the amount of time to take those words is within that time frame, the amount of time it takes to say those three words. Shalom Alecha Rebbe. The, all the, the second person and the third person had to say va'ani. That's the idea, is that it's, it has to see, it would only be three people. You can't get more than three people here. It's got the first guy saying it, va'ani, va'ani. But a fourth person would say afterwards, wouldn't become a Nazir, because his statement would be made after the three-word time limit has already elapsed. So that's the concept. Va'ani has to be linking themselves betoch kidei dibor of it. But if it's not betoch kidei dibor, so then it doesn't get linked. That's the way the Gemara starts off. Says the Gemara Malay, then you haven't given any leeway to a student. Meaning to say, 
Let's imagine someone was literally a student and he was trying to say va'ani to someone else's nazir's vow. But right then he saw his teacher and he has to greet him because that's the law. The student has to. So, so, so now if he said shalom alecha rebbe and then he tries to say va'ani, so the nazir's declaration is not going to, it wouldn't work when he says va'ani it's going to be beyond the three word time limit. So he therefore... We have to say that if I say it immediately after the three-word interval, it's like I made it right away as well. You can't say that anything made after Shalom Malach Rebbe is too late because then someone who's literally in the scenario, who's literally a Talmud, he hears Harini Nasser from someone else and he wants to say Vani, he wants to jump onto it as well. But the Rebbe comes and he says Shalom Malach Rebbe, it's going to be too late. So therefore the Gemara adopts that, that, that you're right, it's actually, it's actually different. And actually, if he says it immediately after Shalom Malach Rebbe, it also works. So meaning it's Shalom Malach Rebbe and you have time to say Vani right then. So you could have theoretically four nazirim after after sunset or nazir. You could have three anis that could uh, pass in. You could have a fourth nazir in the top of the Amral. The Gemara says Tanya Miyaki Ebrayso says like this. Well, his friends are about If he waited the amount of time it takes to say said who also the first person about nazirs the other person is not. So it sounds like Rishlakish that if someone said va'ani after the three word time limit has passed then it's not a way of accepting the zeros. It goes against what Rizan Nasiya said. He said that if you make a response immediately after, that also is valid. We see not like that. We see if you make it right after Shalom Alecha Rebbe, it wouldn't work. So bottom line is we have a dispute. We know that someone says Vanis, and we're explaining Betoch Dibor, they're all taking effect, but is it all only if they get the Vanis in Betoch Dibor, or is it good that they got it in immediately after the Betoch Dibor? That was a dispute, but we get support for the way that Rish Lakish presented it.